welcome to The Green Canary. We are your environment news podcast where we bring you the latest on everything green, everything to do with climate, energy, the politics around it all. I'm Ant Sharwood. I'm a journalist. I'm the author of two recent books about the magnificent Australian high country. I'm a bit of a weather nerd, Elfie, and I believe weather's on your mind too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, I'm Elfie Scott. I'm a writer and a journalist, and I was telling Ant earlier that I feel like I've been sweating for eight weeks straight, and it hasn't stopped. Well, did you know that Sydney has been 13% more humid than normal this very La Nina-y summer? Yeah, right. So it literally is a sweaty summer absolutely. that I'm experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. that explains a lot because just the sheer amount of liquid that is pouring off me. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, (laughs) sorry. Um, Today on the show, we're going to be talking about electricity prices, climate protesters, why big banks are being called out again, the best tasting water in Australia, baby sharks, and much, much more. But I think we're going to need to start off today by talking about that electricity prices story. Um, This was something that came across our plate earlier this week, and we thought it was really fascinating. So, Ant, why don't you start walking me through this? I certainly will. Uh, The price of electricity Electricity is down. Hooray for that. Uh, Average household prices actually dropped by around $128 last year. That's very nice. What can you buy for that? I don't know. For $128, you can... 50 cans of Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe, you know, a whole lot more electricity. Oh, yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) But look, there's no great um, mystery around why this is happening. It's basic economics. It's a supply and demand thing. And things are changing on the supply side of of the energy equation, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, Australia's electricity system, as we are all probably well aware by now, is a system in transition. And as more wind and solar has come onto the grid, that means that it has led to a reduction in prices because renewables are, shock and horror, cheaper. Uh, So the 2021 Australian energy statistics from last year show that 24% of Australia's energy came from renewables and that was actually up from 21% the year before. So logically, as we're seeing these things come onto the market more and more, prices are going to keep going down. Indeed. And, and you know, there's also been a, a boom in solar installation around the country. Yeah. So so people are, people are getting into rooftop. I believe solar is now the number one source of renewable en- energy generation, just ahead of wind on the stats. But look, this is all pretty, pretty ironic. Um, you've got to remember that back in 2018, uh, Energy Minister Angus Taylor uh, took a massive pot shot at Bill Shorten's elect- um, energy policy mm-hmm. that he took to the 2018 election and called it, quote, unquote, a wrecking ball to the economy. I mean, they they were strong words, a wrecking ball to the economy. Oh my God, we had wrecking ball to the economony and we had ruining the weekend with electric cars. Oh, what, what, what a <laughs> time a to be alive. There's a lot of messaging going on neggy, there, wasn't neggy there? indeed. <laughs> just just neggy. Good, good shortening of a word. Um, so, so look, that was 2018. Uh, the reality here in 2022 is that uh, it hasn't been a wrecking ball to the economy as renewables have come online. They've actually dropped your power bills. Um, I believe the government may have uh, said they were going to reduce power bills, but I don't think they plan to do it with renewable energy. (laughs) But it sure did happen (laughs) under their government in some way. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a pretty interesting messaging for them because, you know, Angus Taylor has... I saw he was on Twitter this week saying stuff like, you know, you, you know, lauding and gloating about the government and saying, you know, we're responsible in some way for this lowering of, lowering of electricity prices. And Keaton Joshi, who I feel like we talk about 
too much and mm. we're eventually going to need to come Well, he's an pot. energy expert and, yeah. and he's the author of the book Windfall, which is about um, exactly that, the windfall that exists in harnessing the renewables boom. Yeah, right. Okay, I have not read this book. I seriously I have need read to. this book. Yeah, yeah, I can see I'll that. Um, my copy. <laughs> and, you know, he replied, sorry, Keaton Joshi replied to Angus Taylor and he said that electricity prices would be noticeably lower if Angus Taylor hadn't spent the first five years of his political career trying to kill the renewable energy target. So, yeah, it is, as exactly you say, ironic. Touche. Yeah. Anyway, so now we are going to talk about climate protesters because there was a fascinating story that came out of WA this week. What have the kids done, Elfie? The kids? Wait, was this person even a kid? No. You know what? I'm going to say a young adult, Mm. but that is just a total guess. Um, So apologies to Rosa Hicks in advance. But basically what happened was there was an Extinction Rebellion Uh, climate protest that happened recently near Woodside headquarters and they were protesting the Scarborough gas project. Um, Do you know much about the Scarborough gas project? So so the kids, as I... um perhaps unfairly called them. Uh, these, <laughs> the, the adults and people who were behind this, the yeah, activists. Uh, indeed, uh, are quite rightly, uh, you, most people would argue, protesting against the Scarborough Gas Project. Now, this was greenlit last year. Um, you know, Mark McGow- McGowan's not, not so keen on open borders, but he certainly loves open gas fields. It's a $16.5 billion, with a B, uh, dollar project. It's going to be this massive basin offshore, off the northwest uh, coast of WA, with a 430 kilometre uh, gas pipeline back to Caratha, I think. And um, it's a massive, massive project of the scale and the sort mm. that you thought was being phased out. And and you know, in fact, a lot of people are saying there's never going to be another Scarborough. This is the last giant. Um, mega offshore natural gas or any fossil fuel type project in Australian waters, why are we having it? And the Extinction um, Rebellion protesters have a pretty fair point when they're asking that question. Yeah, absolutely. So basically what happened was, and, uh, you know, Extinction Rebellion, if you don't know, they're known for doing interesting protests, uh, which are examples of civil disobedience. They're not not violent, but what they do is, you know, sometimes tends to inconvenience the public and things like Mm. that. But, you know, all these protesters were doing was writing messages on a bridge in chalk paint near the Woodside headquarters. And those people were not only arrested by Western Australian police, their homes were raided and they ended up getting fined. Uh, There was a woman called Rosa Hicks who was one of the protesters She was arrested despite not actually having written any of these messages herself. She literally just turned up and took photos on her phone. But that was enough for the police to take her to court. And the magistrate just threw it out, basically. And it's interesting because it seems like, you know, there is this response from police and they want to be able to, you know, crack down on these protesters. But ultimately, (laughs) it seems like the WA courts weren't having it. And they were like, this is a bit of a waste of time, really. (laughs) Look, you you can't compare legal cases... Uh, anywhere, let alone at diagonal ends of the country. But but this reminds me a little bit of a case we covered late last year in The Hunter, yeah. where activists had their, their environment centre raided as well, merely for, for their, their part protesting non-violently uh, stuff that was going on at the Newcastle coal port. So, yeah, um, and if you remember, there was that 22-year-old guy who ended up getting imprisoned for a year 
because of those protests. Yeah. Like, it really is just this incredibly heavy-handed response that's happening at the moment. And I guess we just have to hope that it doesn't keep unfolding in this trend because it's really worrying for our right to protest. Pro- protest is is important. There's other protests going on at the moment, aren't there? There's there's protests in Darwin this week um, yeah. against uh, Santos's gas exploration in the Beetaloo Basin. Now, Beetaloo is, of course, the the area they want to frack. It's the basin that's about, oh, a third of the way from Darwin down towards Alice Springs in, in the central NT, um, down the Stewart Highway there. And, uh, you know, I think it's good to see these protests. You've got you've got these these people with their signs. They always make terrific puns on the word F-U-C-K with the word F-R-A-C-K. No, it's, it's there for the taking, isn't it? It is really? there <laughs> and it should never stop happening. No fracking way. Yeah. Frack off, Santos. It's, it's just there. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Good for them. Um, I haven't heard about any arrests happening there yet, but as we all know, the Beetaloo Basin is going to become a far more divisive topic, especially as we head into the federal election in a couple of months' time. It certainly, certainly is. But uh, look, <laughs> there is a lot going on up in West Australia this week, isn't there? There's there's protest against all these things, but there's other movement uh, beyond protest on the Scarborough Gas Project, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. So Market Forces, um, who you only heard of this week, I believe, is that right? Yeah, I, I looked. I didn't know who they were, but it turns out they're a sort of arm of Friends of the Earth that that exists to put data out there about who's uh, backing projects, like which financial institutions are lending their name and their money. Money, uh, and their lending power to fossil fuel projects. Yeah, they're really interesting. And the reason that I know them is as a consumer, you know, I was trying to find a new super, um, yep. you know, find a little while ago when I was looking up their tables. They're really interesting and useful if you want to <laughs> have a go at them. Anyway, sorry, besides the point. So what's Market Forces done? So Market Forces this week, they've taken aim at three big banks, NAB, Westpac and ANZ. And they are angry at them because they're taking part in this massive $4.86 billion loan so that this investment fund manager, Global Infrastructure Partners, can buy this huge stake in Woodside's WA gas project near Karratha. So... This is part of the Scarborough project. Yes. So, I mean, what we're talking about here is this massive investment in a fossil fuel a project, the the big one that you were talking about Sc- earlier. Scarborough. Look, yeah, exactly. I I, I feel like um, the banks make noises that that they don't really follow up. They they all talk about divestment, about moving away from fossil fuels projects. Um, we know that between two thousand and sixteen and two thousand and twenty, nearly fifty billion dollars was loaned towards fossil fuel projects by major Australian banks. By major Australian banks yeah. alone. That and so wild. this is another almost five billion. You know, this is just sort of the the, the latest in that. Um, and and it's it's worrying and, and it's particularly worrying in this case because there's the whole sort of gas is it's okay because it's just gas. It's a transition fuel. Gas is cleaner. And you know what? Gas is slightly cleaner, you know, in in, in terms of, um, you know, the amount of CO2 it contributes to global warming. But look, Elfie, the the best way I can come at this is as a parent. I've got two teenagers. They've both got messy rooms. One one is filthy. One is just extremely bloody messy. (laughs) 
that would be gas. It's still extremely bloody messy in terms of its contribution to um, CO2 in the, and methane uh, in the atmosphere. So not sold on clean gas. That's probably a whole story for another week. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a beautiful analogy. Thank you for that, And <laughs> Yeah, and I think that it is interesting because there does seem to be this um, divide happening in, um, you know, this sort of private investment world. Like even the BlackRock CEO this week said that passing fossil fuels from public to private markets isn't going to help the world get to net zero. And I think that it's entirely fair that market forces are taking aim now and they're calling this a carbon bomb and asking for people to sign up in protest. Anyway, it's all unfolding and, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It will. All right, so let's move on. Let's 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 get to the little bits and pieces here that uh, we're calling mulch. Just all yes. those little clippings <laughs> at the end. And I'm going to go first. I just want to tell everyone uh, these are just some little stories. And one of the little stories that came across our our desk this week was the fact that sharks are having a difficult time now. Now sharks boss people around. Sharks bite you. What what could possibly be going wrong with sharks? Oh. Well, apart from shark nets and all the usual things. But but uh, no. Global warming, it turns out, is threatening the um, coastal nurseries that baby sharks need to develop and hunt. And, you know, we haven't sung the baby shark song yet, and that's terrific. Well, I think uh, it might be copyrighted. I don't know if we're allowed oh, okay. to. okay. Well, you can yeah. probably whistle a bar or two. But we haven't <laughs> subjected listeners to that, so you can all thank us later. But, but look, here's the deal. Waters too warm are a problem for sharks. They do take quite a long time to reach se- sexual maturity compared to other fish. So... Um, one of the things I did was I Googled what happens if we lose sharks. Let's say the waters get too warm. Let's say they can't breed prom- properly. Let's say their numbers plummet. Um, where is the ocean without sharks? Take the apex predator out. Oceans go crazy, Elfie. What Oceans happens? Oceans collapse. Um, you have too many little fish, obviously, because they're not being eaten up by sharks. Sure. Too many little fish eat all the tiny little shrimps and crustaceans and bloody... Uh, What's that tiny little stuff called? Anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the really small stuff in the ocean. The stuff Just that, imagine the gross stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> anyway, once when that's all gone, the algae take over. You've basically got a whole ecosystem that, the system that just changes and collapses. We need sharks. All right. And we need to do whatever we can to help cool the ocean so that the sharks can breed in peace. Oh, poor little baby sharks. Also, I have to say that there was a photo of a baby shark on the screen just before that. If you're watching the video, you would have seen it. And they are bloody adorable. They're really nice to look at. And and before I hand over to you, I just want to give you one. There's one other animal that that, that is, is doing a weird thing because of warm waters. Um, <laughs> Antarctica is not warm enough for penguins apparently anymore. Or, not cold enough. <laughs> not cold enough, sorry. Yeah, or, or <laughs> good pickup. The... Um, the Gentoo penguin um, has been moving further and further south uh, as it moves into areas that were once too cold for it, but no longer are. Oh, that's really sad. Um, Gentoos, if you know what they look like, they're just like the the, the little guys. They're, what, bigger than a fairy penguin? Smaller than an emperor? Is that what we're saying? Small. I, I think they're like in a deli, like a smaller deli. Oh, Is that what they're called? Go. A deli penguin? I don't a know. Are those the ones with the fringe? Um, you're really stretching my penguin Whoa, knowledge. Why here. do I know so much about penguins? Okay, let's not. They waddle. This any they further. have flippers. Yeah, uh, I do know that the Gentoo penguins swim underwater at forty kilometers an hour, and are the world's um, fastest diving bird. Okay, this is really niche knowledge, but that is very interesting. And they're moving further south. That was yeah. the point. What do you there got? There you go. Um, so this week, my mulch is talking about the taste of water, which is something that I'm not sure a lot of people think about 
I weirdly do when I travel around Australia quite a lot. But this week, the Richmond Valley Water Plant uh, won the tastiest water in Australia competition. Mm. Um, So they apparently run this competition every year. Uh, It's called the Best Tasting Tap Water Competition, and it's run by Water Industry Operators Association of Australia. It's run to bring awareness to all of the processes and people behind our drinking water. But they have these really fancy competitions where they run tap water and they, you know, judge it on clarity, smell, taste, and things like mouthfeel. It's sort of like a Hang wine on. tasting competition. Mouthfeel? Yes. Water has mouthfeel now. I we got look, tasting notes for water now. You know what? I totally appreciate this because some water tastes fluffy to me. Is that weird? Some water tastes fluffy for you. I think it's time for the acknowledgement of country and I'll wrap this thing up because we need to go and talk about fluffy water off air. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will just say that the oh, Rich, Richmond Valley just is uh, up in northern New South Wales, up in the northern rivers there. So uh, I think it flows out through Ballina. So get yourself up to Ballina. Don't they have the giant prawn at Ballina? I don't know. Go and eat some giant prawns and drink some fluffy water. <laughs> I mean, some non-fluffy water. Non-fluffy water. Oh, God, I'm really sorry that I brought that up. I don't know why. All right. Anyway, before we wrap up the episode today, as ever, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we're recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, as well as extend that respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here today. Very nicely said. And... I would just like to thank you all for listening and please ask you to subscribe to our newsletter. You can email hello at thegreencanary.co and it is .co, there's no M on the end, the M fell off. And <laughs> you, I will write you the most beautiful newsletter you have ever read. That's a promise, that's a personal promise. It is promise. really good. Oh, thank you so say. much. Well, uh, look, I'm writing it from the heart. There's enough newsletters out there giving you the news. We're doing both. We're giving you a bit of news. And we're giving you a bit of a story. And a lot of ants. Oh, that's so very kind. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's fluffy. Maybe it's not. Like (laughs) like water. Um, Am I fired after this? (laughs) (laughs) In a fluffy way. And don't forget we're on social media. We are at Green Canary Media on uh, Instagram. And we're at Green Canary Pod on Twitter. We'll be tweeting this episode out later today. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Fluffy bye. (laughs) 